The boys are back in town. As if we never left. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Adventure Zone. We're happy to be here. We hope you are, too. We're about to start our first sort of experimental game as we are between seasons, where we're all going to be taking turns running stuff and playing different games and trying out new genres. And this time, the person who's going to be in charge is... Dad McElroy. Yay! Uh, I wanted to talk briefly about how we came to this, because in a lot of games, say tag, Uh the person who is the best at tag (laughs) gets to be the new tagger. And I'm curious what metric we just... What, it, well, what was Justin? it in Dad's mastery of <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons led us to think? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what this man needs. He needs a new. He needs to move on to a new game because he's mastered this one and let yeah. him lead, sort of lead the thing. From my point of view, Justin, I think it was Dad's turn because out of all of us, he was the only one who was ready to go. So by default, you could. You could also make the argument that by knowing too many of the rules of Dungeons and Dragons, you may be too deep. It may be harder oh, for you to fluently by, by being really bad at Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. Because he only lightly settles on the lily pad, he's able to jump to the next one so much easier. Right. That Daddy has what I like to call an empty old brain, and mm-hmm. we it's, and that's bad for most things. But for this specific instance, it's good because he can fill it up with more game rules. It's a good brain. Uh, um, within the first three weeks of us deciding to go this route, Dad was telling us, there's a few of the rules I'm going to tweak. And I'm like, oh, really, Skrillex? You're going to fucking step in <laughs> and remix this game system <laughs> rather um, than... I don't know if it's tweak as much as not know. Sure. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Big big thanks to uh, Evil, Evil Hat. Hat. Evil Hat. Evil Hat. Yeah. Uh, we had somebody run us through a trial game of this last week. And it was you, very. Morgan. It was actually... Yeah, thank you, Morgan. It was very helpful and sort of helping us understand uh, how how the game is supposed to operate. It was very informative, and I think our first proper episode is going to benefit from that. But that's not this. This is sort of just our episode where we're going to talk about the game and the world and what Dad has prepped, and we're going to talk about our characters so that when we do actually start playing, we can just kind of step right into it. Um, well, Dad, first, uh, just to start off, I don't think we've said we're, we're playing the Fate Core system. Yeah, I was hoping Dad could like start out with just sort of a surface-level discussion of... Um, what it is we're going to be playing, and why did it, why it is that he chose this system, and like what his sort of ambitions are for this little mini arc. Uh, again, this is these are all going to be pretty short experimental things, probably two or three episodes. So, uh, Dad, what's up? Well, I uh, I got a lot of feedback from a lot of folks uh, on social media and and actual letters. Believe it or not, um, and I don't. A lo- but go on. A lot of folks. A lot of folks said. That if you're looking to do um, a superhero a game, that this would uh, really lend itself to that. But the most compelling thing to me was in the stuff that I was reading and the stuff I was looking at, it looked like the fate system is uh, relies much more heavily on collaboration and and really emphasizes the dramatic angle, uh, almost mm-hmm. a theatrical presentation of the action. Um, when it comes to creating characters, you do it together. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth um, and, and a lot of fluidity, a lot of, a lot of flexibility involved in it. And it just seemed that the, a lot of the things that we have done up to this point really leans towards the storytelling, the dramatic. And, uh, and it just really appealed to me uh, for that reason. Also, I would say to, to that point, one of the things, uh, as we've been playing around with it and testing it out, one of the things I think 
uh, you mentioned flexibility. There's a certain elasticity to the rules of fate that's like, you know how sometimes you have that house rule of like, if it's a cool thing, you're allowed to do it? Yeah, exactly. That's basically one of the core ideas of the fate system. Um, There are these things called aspects that basically they are character traits or traits of the situation or an item. So, for example, you might have a character who is uh, Will of Iron, right? They have a Will of Iron. And so maybe they're trying to cast a spell and there's something that would be distracting them from that spell. You can invoke the aspect Will of Iron to add like a plus two to your role. Yeah. And what's where that where that where that system? It's really important if you've never played Fate, and we we are not going to overburden you with like a, a a a you know comprehensive explanation. But it's important for you to understand aspects because there's other cool stuff that can happen where anything can have an aspect that will either benefit you or harm you in the future. So that uh, if there's a big uh, you know a big piece of electrical machinery in the room, one of the players can use their actions to try to. Uh, you know, create an advantage for everybody else, maybe by, uh, you know, uh, disabling that piece of machinery or by, like, you know, punching it a whole lot. And then maybe it has the aspect, like, unstable. And then when it's your turn, you can invoke that aspect to gain gain a bonus or create some sort of opportunity or create some sort of action. Anything, not just your characters, um, can have aspects. Aspects also come in the form of like injuries to your character. There are things called consequences, where if you take too much damage, you have a consequence, and that's an aspect that Dad can use against us. Like, oh, well, because you have you know a broken rib, that's one of your consequence aspects. I'm going to invoke that to you know do do something bad to you. Um, it's a really, really, really cool, flexible system. And and also a lot of the a lot of the action uh, comes from skills. Mm. Uh, there are a number of uh, fairly basic uh, skills that you apply to when you do have a confrontation. If you are more skilled at, you know, athletics or more skilled at, uh, you know, more sk- uh, skills in physique, uh, it influences the role. The roles are really kind of cool in fate. It's fairly simple. You have uh, you have the, these die and you roll them. They either have a plus, a minus. Or a blank side uh, on the on the die, and when you roll the die, uh, if the minuses cancel out the pluses, you accumulate those numbers, and that's your your base for any kind of confrontation or something you have to overcome. Your skill points are added to that if it's applicable, and then you also have stunts, which in our case will be superpowers, since we're going to do a super uh, super being super person uh storyline enhanced individual yeah enhanced individual yeah so that's very dnd like right like it, it, that is the main point of familiarity we are still rolling dice to try to be either sort of static numbers that dad has in mind for different situations or traps or if we are combating somebody then dad will roll and we will have sort of a skill contest and we want to roll high and we want to add our skills to it and then if that number doesn't get us there then maybe we invoke an aspect like we mentioned earlier to try to get us there um there's also a really cool system so usually if you want to do that right usually if you want to add an aspect 
to your roll, you have to spend what's called a fate point, which we all have limited numbers of. Uh, and if you run out of those, you're going to be in trouble, right? Because those give you more flexibility in certain situations. But you can get them back with something that are called compels. And that basically means like, I'm going to use an aspect against you or against myself to create a bad scenario for myself. But in doing that, I will get a fate point back. And that's really the only way to get fate points. And what's neat about that is we can suggest them for each other. Dad can suggest them for us. We can suggest them for ourselves. Like, oh, well, I have the clumsy aspect. So what if as a compel, like I trip and fall off the roof? Okay, well, you did that. And because you agreed to do this bad thing, now you have a fate point that you can use later on to, you know, benefit yourself later. So that's the thing is, uh, what I really love about this system is the aspects and the, like, there's, like, troubles that you have and the consequences. All of this stuff is both a mechanic and a character-building exercise. Because, like, when... So if you think about in the Adventure Zone Balance... There were things about our characters that we established, right? That it's like, you know, Magnus rushes in. But if we had been playing in the fate system, the rushing in would have been an aspect that, like, I could invoke in sure. a battle. R- rustic hospitality would be right. an aspect. And then if you're talking to somebody, instead of just saying, like, well, I'm rustically hospitable, so I think that they're nicer to me, you invoke that. You you use that aspect. And maybe if you are doing a rapport role is what they call, like, one of the main social skills. Uh, and it doesn't entirely go your way. You say, like, well, I am rustically hospitable, so I'm going to invoke that. Have some sort of narrative explanation why it is applicable here and then i will get the the bonus from it so so if you take away one thing from this we are going to be throwing aspects around a lot and they are statements about our characters or about uh the scenario itself that we are going to be trying to use to our advantage or invoking as a disadvantage when it is like narratively interesting and we'll get benefits from that also we don't want to overburden you with with rules and i know that probably if you're anything like most humans hearing a bunch of rules told to you is not very effective we just kind of want to lay a groundwork because i think as we start playing it is not a it's a very intuitive system i would say Mm -hmm. and i think as we start playing the important parts of this system are going to become obvious there are of course if you're interested plenty of great like super quick tutorials uh, on on YouTube or elsewhere if you just want to get, like, the basics to, to get a little bit more out of it. But much as we told people who didn't have any familiarity with D&D, I, I think you're going to be able to enjoy this uh, without understanding the system particularly well. And you, the um, listener, will get the, the enjoyment, as you did the from, from Balance, of listening to a bunch of people who don't know how to play the game try to play the game. So that's, and, that's cool. And, and, and that's, hey, the, if you are an expert in it, um, you, all of our... So, sort of social media handles and addresses oh, are are public. So if you are an expert in it, we screw something up. Um, keep it to yourself. Um, and <laughs> oh, we should uh, joking down, joking aside. Because I, I think this is really important for people to understand. Um, because this is going to be across the board for all these experiments. It it's it's going to be like it's going to be a little messy. Like there's we are not going to have an a, a complete understanding. And I'm saying that kind of facetiously. Of, of how this game works and how to best play it and how to make the best stuff with it, just because by virtue of the fact that we're new to this and we're only going to be playing it for a few episodes before we move on to another thing. Same goes for like the, the, the world itself and the characters themselves. We are working really hard to make a cool cast of characters that are going to feel very rich, but we're not going to have the, that like deep lore that comes from 80 hours of 
of us playing together and and fleshing this stuff out together. So like I I I would only ask and I'm not saying like don't criticize this makes us immune to criticism. Um but but treat this the, the way we are treating this is as as an experiment and it is as by virtue of that it is not going to be this like uh, hugely fleshed out thing that uh, balance was by the end of it and that's that's just not that's impossible that's just not going to happen so um i would ask you all to just sort of focus on what works and what doesn't work and then we will incorporate that into you know whatever it is that we do next so dad tell us about the world you have created in the adventure zone colon commitment uh, the colon is very important. Yes. Tell us about colon uh, commitment. It's, it's good colon health. It absorbs all the fluid from your dookie, is, I think, uh, and that's where it turns, like, uh, you know, brown and stinky. Whoa, whoa. Slow down, Bill Nye the Science Guy. That's like third arc shit you're getting into right yeah. there. You got to pace Hold yourself. off on that. Um, okay. The basic concept is, um, uh, I would call it a comic book premise uh, in the in in the sense that um, it's contemporary, sort of like Marvel comics or DC comics are contemporary, okay? Um, maybe a slight variation on, on reality, but close enough so that the, the decisions that you guys make and the choices you make are, uh, are kind of rooted in, um, in what's, you know, what's going on in the, in the real world. Is it, is it, um, are we calling it, are we calling it 2017? Like, is it, is it mo- like current, current yeah. day or? Yeah, I would okay. say, I would say, yeah. Is it, um, is it that kind of bullshit thing where it's like present day and then it's like 40 years from now and it still just says present day and people are like, that's not present day or is nah. it 2017? Uh, it's present day. Oh okay. no. Okay. <laughs> um, so here's the basic premise. You guys are brand new recruits to an organization called the Do Good Fellowship. And its name is pretty obvious. This is an organization that is dedicated to doing good stuff um, all across the globe. If there's somebody in trouble, if there's something that's that's wrong, uh, they aren't a police force or anything like that. They are there to... To help people uh, in case of a, a major disaster or or uh, things along that line, and they sort are of like based, a hum- like a humanitarian yeah organization, like a humanitarian organization, yeah okay. Um, without any real specific ties to government or business, uh, the it's it's actually based uh, on a concept that Ben Franklin created, and that was Wait, called who? the Junto. Ben Franklin, when the first president of the, the United States. The first president. Ah, oh, damn it, he beat me to it. <laughs> uh, the Junto the was 24 people who got together on a regular basis and met, and they were just, they weren't special. They weren't, they weren't the richest. They weren't the most powerful. It was just 12 people, I'm sorry, 12 people that got together and started off every meeting by answering 24 questions. And I'm going to send you guys the 24 questions before we actually get started. But they were all about things like, did you see injustice today? Did you did you get treated poorly today? And these 24 questions, they were basically I to have ideas to to try to do what's best for society. And that's what the Do Good Fellowship is kind of a 
a split a, a, a spinoff from. So no, this no. is not this is not necessarily a military junta, which is like no a a, a no a, a completely different thing. No, and a, okay, I, I want to make that clear. No, Franklin called it a junto. Junto. Uh, yeah, which was a word he actually made up because the proper form is junta, and this is not a junta. Hey, listen, he, got, a he, Spanish he had and, a grand slam with news, and he got a little cocky. He thought that was thought pretty he cool. could just start coming up with whatever word <laughs> that, he wanted. That in this world is is the do good foundation of good, right? Yeah, fellowship. Fellowship is it actually based like in canon based off of? Uh, Benjamin Franklin's concept, or is that just you have been inspired by that? No, I think it's probably, you know, no, I think it was inspired by Ben Franklin's Junto. And so, so there's probably a portrait or two of Ben Franklin in the Do Good oh, yeah. Fellowship. Okay. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, also hanging in the, in the Do Good Fellowship, there's a symbol and I just, I sent it all to you guys and I'll put it on, on Twitter as well. Uh, that's kind of a cool stylized 24 incorporating a question mark. And that represents the 24 questions that they would have at every meeting. I was wondering about that. You can see that in our new album art, which uh, is very, very cool and features sort of uh, dramatic artistic takes on some of the ideas that we have for these experiment games. This will, this will be sort of our, our temporary art while we, while we do these experimental games. Uh, and it's, I, I love how it turned out. Yeah, that's uh, Evan Palmer created our, our new album art that we're using for the foreseeable future. Something that would be a little bit more flexible. Uh, we love our old art by Justin Gray, but it was very specific to that uh, uh, campaign. And I think this is a new new page. So, new art. Okay, so the Do Good Fellowship has always kept the numbers very small, very manageable. You always had 12... I guess you could call them department heads. And that has kept it kept it easy to manage. Um, and so they still maintain the 12 departments. Uh, so there are 12 departments represented in the Do Good Fellowship, and the, each one has a department head. You have um, security, uh, and that's just sort of like the internal. It's, it's just that. It's a security uh, operation. Um, you have engineering responsible for any kind of equipment. Uh, you have transportation, which gets people to and from the base uh, to the action spots and the places they need to go. You have facilities, which is, is just that, keeping the facilities up, feeding everybody the day-to-day -day needs and requirements. Um, you have R&D, research and development, which is very important, as we'll find out. It's also information tech, which is uh, the media and information gathering, also cybersecurity. Uh, they are very, very savvy to to all of that. It will be interesting to hear Dad role play those characters. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. going to be interesting. They totally know how stuff plugs in and <laughs> these what superheroes, These superheroes set up their own printer. <laughs> I need you to help me with Skype, Justin. Um Risk understanding, which is uh, the 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 wing that makes decisions about uh, where to actually send people to 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 deal with things. You also have diplomatics uh, because the fellowship works with all countries and people from all over. Legal, which handles all the legal issues. Finance, which handles the business and the 
acquisitions and getting funds. Um, also, uh, humanity, which is kind of their fancy word for um, human resources, uh, for you know making sure people are taken care of. Uh, and then one of my favorites is diversity slash inclusion. And this is a wing that is dedicated to making sure that everybody is represented in the decision-making process to make sure that, you know, maybe you don't go to the biggest emergency or the biggest conflagration, but you go to the most important. And to make sure that, that everybody has a voice. I gotcha. Right. Okay, so you have these, uh, each each one of these departments has a department head. The fellowship has just had a major technical breakthrough, and they are using that for the next big expansion of the fellowship. And that is to to recruit one person for each department and using this breakthrough technology, give them super abilities to go out and deal with these situations that are going on all across the planet. And you three are three of the people who have been recruited to be part of this, this effort. Now, just, I don't I'm not telling you what your characters need to be or anything along those lines, but this is not just a job. This is kind of a, this is kind of a calling. Sure. Um, Everybody is 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 on board, really wanting to be part of this organization. So you three uh, are three of the twelve new recruits that are coming in. Let me do one last thing. Let me set the the actual scene for you. Um, it takes place smash on, cut. It takes place. Wait, on, I do, do want to touch on something. Can I make a formal request that we encounter the super accountant just as early as humanly possible? Oh, yeah. I and am so curious lawyer. about the super. The super lawyer the, is going to be super one. Lawyer super facilities super, manager. Super, the, the super humanities person is the one I'm excited about. Um, it takes place on a gigantic floating base in what? the middle Slow of the Gulf down. of Mexico. Well, okay, hold on. You've kind of chomped my flavor a little bit. I called. You know I said I get the only floating giant base, and you uh, did it anyway, and now I'm all, now I'm all PO'd. Well, I guess you have to redo your thing. That's why I, I can't. We already, we already yeah, fucking we'll, did we'll our thing. We'll go back and redo all of Adventures on Balance, Dad. I have to have a base. No, it's fine. It's, and it's, it's floating, floating in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, it's, it's floating research. on water. Yeah, and... Like 90% of it is below the surface of the water. 10% is like an iceberg. Okay. It's called the Roger. To the be, Jolly okay, Roger. wait, hold on. I'm, to be fair, isn't that more of a submerged base then? I mean, if 90% of it's below the water. It's not really a floating base. I mean, it's not touching the ground, so it's That's fair. Mm, good point, Justin. Thank We're going to have to take a break and discuss this. Imagine a diamond mm -hmm. and then three offshoots from each point of the diamond. Okay, so it almost like I don't know, like a snowflake or something. Um, okay. It is. It's a. It's a huge facility. Each wing, each one of those twelve wings, is where one of those departments is. Okay, and they call it the Jolly Roger just because it's research and operations. It, the Do Good Rectory um, is is what it stands for. So they call it affectionately. The Jolly Roger, and some people call it the Iceberg or the the Berg or the or, Snowflake or the Peterberg. Who directed Battleship. So the Berg is kind of what we have agreed to call Unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, it's only going to be called the Berg. Sorry. 
Yeah, the Berg. And the Berg. Okay, that works. So that kind of sets the scene for you. Um, I have a and... I have a question. I have a question just off the top yeah. of my head. So it sounds it sounds like superpowers are a discovery by this organization. Are we to assume that there this is not going to be a sort of comic book story where we are going to be going toe to toe with countless super villains out in the world who have powers and are using them to accomplish bad things i think it is safe to say that yes okay i i tell you one of the i this is uh, you know one of my influences is a 50 year old comic book series um the thunder agents from tower comics and of course now this was in the height of spy movies and james bond and man from uncle and honey west and all of these things and what they did was they introduced superpowers into uh, an organization, Thunder, T-H-U-N-D-E-R, and they went out and dealt with these kind of issues. So that that was kind of a template for me because it was one of my favorite comics. You had Wally Wood art and you had Steve Ditko and Gil Kane and all these great comics. I think it's it's great. The idea of us not uh, following the traditional arc of like, uh uh-oh, the vulture's here. Let's get the vulture, yeah. and instead do, focusing on like actual issues. I think it's really fascinating. Do, do the people? So, do the people who are currently in the organization have superpowers? No. Are they worried about us just sort of like taking over it? Because it seems like that would be a concern if you had yeah. twelve people all of a sudden with superpowers that, that they would, would want to be in charge. That's it would be hard to have like my boss really chew me out when it's like right. okay, yeah, laser eyes, uh, yeah, boo. <laughs> Well, there are certain controls in the in the giving you the powers. And there okay. are certain things that will. That, that's a good point. But hopefully, one of the things that'll happen, um, while that is a real concern, one of the things that'll happen is everybody's on it, on board for the cause. Okay. Okay. Um, are are we uh, are we to assume that this technology is fairly new? That maybe like the outcomes of this process of giving people superpowers may not be uh, like 100% well controlled. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, and you aren't exactly the first guinea pigs, but this will be the first major implementation of the technology. In addition to the, the there's been a lot of uh, biological screening to make sure that your, your, you know, your, your bodies are, are capable or have the capacity to handle this, this augmentation. So it's not just something you can grant upon anybody. There are certain genetic necessities that, that keep it from being just anybody can just get boom, have superpowers. Well, cool. Should we, should we talk about the characters we have planned? I think that's probably a good next step. Sure. Who wants to, who wants to kick things out? We, We may also like, this might be a good time for us to come up with our interpersonal aspects, which I think is an important thing that we just, we have not talked about at all. Um, Correct. So maybe, maybe we talk about our characters first and then we figure out sort of where the dots connect there. Yeah. I, a matter of fact, I think it's important to the story that you guys establish who you are as people, who you are before you are augmented. Um, you know, uh, and, and like we, we hinted at earlier, aspects are not just positives or they are, Negatives, too. That's what makes interesting storytelling is, you know, the things you have to overcome. Sure. So uh, are we talking about, in context of this, are we talking about just our pre... Right now, do we want to talk about our pre-superpower I mean, we should characters? also... I mean, this was such an important aspect in making them. We should also talk about the power suite that yeah. we have oh, in I mind for so. them. Okay. 
like for even instance, even, the, you, even though when we start the first proper episode, we will not have those powers yet. But the the aspects don't necessarily have to reflect the powers. You know what I mean? The aspects yeah. should reflect who you are as a person, and then we can add an aspect afterwards if if it's something that comes about from the granting of the powers. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who wants to start? I feel like I start every time. Every time we've done character why don't creation. I, why don't I start since I've never played a character before? This is my first Ooh, character. Here we go. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to think of like what appealed to me in comics. I don't read a lot of comics. And so I was trying to figure out like what, what I liked. Uh, there was a F- Spider-Man fan comic called Your Friendly Neighborhood Cowboy Bebop made by an artist named uh, Hannah Blumenreich that I really enjoyed. Um, Spider-Man's probably my favorite superhero and I like the idea of just like making a sort of acrobatic physical hero and that that comic is about sort of a Spider-Man who is obsessed with Cowboy Bebop which I've also been watching a lot of so I think those two are probably my 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 biggest inspirations um and I also have been watching a lot of Ninja Warrior lately and so that was a, a big inspiration for me so like my my character the first idea I had was sort of a um, a, a cowboy bebop esque figure who you know was this sort of uh acrobatic, um, flexible, use their own power against them kind of fighter. Like cowboy bebop, uh, Spike Spiegel is the name of the character by way of like the wrestler Xavier Woods was sort of my original inspiration. I've made this very un- inaccessible to my family on this recording, and I apologize. <laughs> yep. Um. So, but there's people listening who I th- I think understand where I'm coming from. Uh, so so my character is uh named uh Chris Rembrandt, uh, but everybody calls him Remy is his name, and he was a high school gymnast and he was really good at at gymnastics. Um, he was he made it on the 2008 Summer Olympic team. Um, but he missed the games uh because shortly before he was supposed to leave, his uh his parents disappeared. And while sort of figuring that out, he 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 missed the games, which is he's you know still pretty hung up about. Um, and in the wake of that, he you know had a had a had a hard time. And uh, he has a brother, a uh, older brother, and he sort of came together with him over Ninja Warrior because his brother is also a, a, a sort of a, a, a gymnast type, also although never as accomplished as as Remy was. Um, and because of that, they had a, a connection formed over them, uh, opening up a Ninja Warrior training gym in Intercity here. I, I, I didn't know what, like, I didn't know if this would be taking place in a city. And so I kind of envisioned it taking place in that city. Um, but I, I don't know where it is. So maybe we'll just have to figure that out as we go. Um, so his brother invested like all of his money in this gym. And the idea is that Remy would go on the television show Ninja Warrior and crush it and bring in clients for, for the gym. And what happened was the very first obstacle in the qualifiers remy who probably had like a whole package dedicated to him like the olympic ninja is here and he's about to plant his flag in the ground very first obstacle he is overconfident and he goes out and it was a a sort of hugely embarrassing and probably for those watching like hilarious thing that happened he kind of embarrassed himself on television and was it those paddle things it was the paddle things it's like come on it's the paddle things everybody can clear the fucking paddle things remy um and and because of that like 
he didn't get clients for the gym, and so the gym is kind of failing. And so he, at that point, I think he just like gave up on gymnastics and is so disillusioned because like nothing has gone right in that particular part of his life and started to uh you know find odd jobs to raise money to keep his brother's gym afloat and one of those jobs was uh in it for this organization because uh, in addition to like his other traits i think he's also like kind of a big nerd and he knows a lot about computers and uh, other geek stuff and so uh, Remy found a place in this organization and is one of these candidates, uh, probably because of his his other skill set that he doesn't really talk about a whole lot. Um, and so that is my character, Remy. His uh, superpower suite is called Super Agility, which basically gives him a lot of different um, bonuses whenever he's doing anything with athletics. Uh, he also has what's called Natural Weapon, which just sort of represents like he his his super abilities allow him to fight really well. I like the idea of a superhero, which is like really powerful jumps and kicks. And his legs are very good. He um, kicks super good. And and in in line with that, he can like do these acrobatic feats basically without having to roll. Like they require very little effort. Uh, leaping up to a second story window or from rooftop to rooftop across a wide alleyway is a simple task that doesn't require an athletics roll. Uh, and then he has some other stuff. Uh, one ability called Cat's Landing, where just like he can't be hurt by falling, which you know I'm going to use that to do some dumb shit. Um, and he has, like, some Spider-Man-like dodging abilities, which are going to be very useful. Um, there's a really cool system. He's also, like, a personal trainer, right? So I gave him sort of some flavor there where he has skills in conversing with people. I think this is a character who, like, wants everybody to be their best, uh, and wants to help everybody else get there. Um, because that's what personal trainers do. And so I think that's an aspect. He has a stunt called psychologist, which I sort of treats mental stress. So I think after a fight didn't go well, oh, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to help you out. Um, and he's also, uh, popular is another skill I have. So if he's in a place where people knows where he is, who he is, then that's going to help him out. Um, and so his high concept is Ninja Warrior themed personal trainer. Uh, and his trouble is family comes first. Uh, which I think could be interesting. He is like kind of beholden to his brother. He feels this guilt. Uh, he's very, very close with his brother and he feels guilty that he is kind of responsible for his life not going very well right now. Uh, his brother also has a young son who he's very, very close to. Um, and he will do anything for them first and foremost, no matter what. Uh, and then we were supposed to come up with another aspect. And so one that I thought would be really interesting is humiliated myself on national television. There are probably going to be situations where people are like, oh, shit, you're the Olympic ninja. Better watch out for those paddles, man. Um, <laughs> and so that is my that is my concept for Remy, sort of an acrobatic um, kind of Spider-Man in style uh, inspired figure. Uh, the superhero name I came up with is Spring Heel, um, which represents he can jump super good and he's very athletic and acrobatic and stuff. Um, on your skill tree, what I was thinking about for skills um, is that you basically have one great, two good, three fair, and four average. What I thought we do is uh, apply those skills and then add a fifth one in superb up the top after the superpowers. Would that be all right? Uh yeah, we can do, or we can bump the four up to a five because right now my my highest skill is athletics, which represents like even before I got these superpowers, I was still an Olympic level like athlete. 
Um, and so, and so I already have that one filled in with the one that okay. I think should be highest for this character. Um, and just to, to talk about my skills, like, like I said, it's mostly sort of athletics and, uh, you know, physical fighting, which is like hand to hand, or in my case, foot to head. Um, but I also have some stuff in there for like talking to people and helping, helping people out with their stuff. Um, I have crafts in there, which is sort of the tinkering around with electronics, which in my way of thinking is his like computer expertise. Um, so yeah, that is, that is Remy or spring heel is what he will go by as his superhero name. And that's, that is him. And again, I think uh, one thing that we should all do is leave some gaps. Like, I don't know where this gym is. I don't have a name for the, the, the family quite yet. Um, but I, I, I think we can maybe fill that stuff out as we go. Um, or maybe we won't get around to it either way. I, I think it's more interesting to sort of leave that stuff blank until we get to it. And he uh, will be in information tech, right? Yes. He is in the IT department. Okay. I, can I talk, can I talk about mine? Cause I think I, I have already it. been inspired by an interpersonal from Remy. Um, so when I started thinking about my character, I was inspired in two different kind of inspiration directions. One, I kind of wanted to play a character that was as different from Magnus as I could think. Um, And so I set about making a character that was very intellectual and analytical and also on like a personal level, much more reserved um, as far as like interpersonal relationships goes and uh much more withdrawn and then as far as kind of the abilities go my two biggest inspirations were green lantern who is my favorite superhero and mr fantastic um and the thing i really liked about mr fantastic was this idea of really if you look at mr fantastic it is not his you know elasticity that is his strongest ability it's his it's his brain. It's the fact that he's like one of the smartest people in the Marvel universe. And the elasticity is kind of a secondary thing. Um, so my character, her name is Nadia Jones. Um, and her background is what I'm about to read to you on this piece of paper. Uh, Nadia Jones, 25. Her mother is second generation British Bangladeshi. Her father is American. He never cared much about his ancestry past that, but often answered simply Irish, German. I don't know. What does it matter? Um, her parents divorced when she was three years old and her mother returned to Britain. Uh, she has only seen her mother a few times Are since. Are you going to do a British accent? No, she was raised in America. Okay. Um, I'm down for it either way. I just wanted to. No, it would myself. be so inconsistent and so terrible. I could never. Um, she's only seen her mother a few times since. Her father was granted sole custody, and while he cared for her in his way, he was not a nurturing man. Uh, a scientist himself, he held several luc- lucrative patents um, that allowed Nadia a string of private tutors rather than attending school. Uh, her father worked as a highly paid consultant for the military. And so they bounced from one base to another with no permanent residence. So all those things kind of added together um, into interpersonal relationships hold very little interest to Nadia, as she has never had much use for them. Uh, She can relate to other people just fine. She just doesn't see the purpose. Um, She she followed in her father's footstep, and many would argue has surpassed his most impressive achievements. She earned her doctorate in biochemistry at an impressively young age. 
which I left blank because I don't know what an impressively young age to earn your doctorate in biochemistry <laughs> is. But it was, believe me. Um, she also holds advanced degrees in biotechnology and biomedical sciences. Um, so my my vision of her is she is she is a very big picture um kind of scientist and what's interesting is the work that she does is to benefit humanity but she doesn't see much value in humanity on like an individual basis like she doesn't have friends she doesn't date she just like doesn't see the purpose of it like her work is her life and science is her life um, but the project that she was working on um, before engaging in this kind of uh, individual enhancement project was she had developed a what she called smart biopolymer. And basically, it um, can be used in skin grafts um, and mimics human skin. It heals um, and adapts like human skin, has the sensitivity of human skin, um, but can be made in a lab. Um, and doesn't need skin donors. Um, so that was the project that she was working on before. Keep that in mind. Um, also, she holds many lucrative patents herself. She's not doing this for the money. She uh, is very rich. So I actually I gave her the skill resources as That's a, a plus one. two skill. Yeah, yeah because th- there's no there's no money in the game. There is just a skill called resources that yeah. you roll when you need to know if you have the thing. And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm fucking rich. I have the resources skill. <laughs> yeah. So that it's kind of the you know the Tony Stark Bruce Wayne kind of skill. Um. So she has resources, and I think that takes the form both of like money and also like her lab, you know, of like sure. the resources to investigate something. But her her so her high concept is hyper focused scientist. Um and her trouble is values logic over humanity. Um think think like Spock kind of deal. You know what I mean? That it's that kind of like highly analytical, isn't going to rush to save a single person when she could take an action that would benefit a much larger group. Um, she, she's, she is a good person, mind you, she's not, like, an asshole or anything, but she just doesn't, she's not, she doesn't rush in, is, is the thing. Um, you, you mentioned that, and I want to pause real quick, just to say, I don't, I don't, I don't think any of us are going to adhere to these sort of static archetypes that defined our characters, or your characters, in, in Taz Balance. Like, I do not think of Remy as the Magnus this time around. He mm-hmm. is also brilliant, and he is all, like, he's not this sort of foolhardy jock who uh, always rushes in. Like, I, I want to be careful here, because I want to make sure that everybody understands, like, it's not like, oh, well, this time Griffin is playing the, the you know, unintelligent, you know, tank and this time Travis is playing the, you know, cerebral taco. Like, that's not that that's how I would describe taco necessarily. I don't think there's a correlation there. I just want to be clear that, like, we are not we are not going to be f- filling. We're not going to be filling those, like, sort of traditional archetypes. If that do you guys mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? Yep. OK. Yep. Um, yeah. Nadia, I, cr- I created her pretty whole, like specifically because it was a version of a character I was interested in playing. Um, whereas I made Magnus because I wanted to fill a role 
in in traditional D&D of like you need a fighter, yeah. you need a caster, you need a healer. That that's going to take us a long time. When we talked about what we're going to do next, I remember having a conversation with you Travis where you're like, "I don't understand how we fill the four usual party archetypes with three people." And it's like, yeah. "No, you don't have to we don't have to be healer, tank, magic user and nimble fighter." Like that's mm-hmm. not that's not how RPGs like have to work nor should they work. Yes. So, um I, my vision of her kind of super, so let me run through her skills. Her great is a skill that I call science, exclamation point. Um, you made your own skill? Well, yeah. you can't make your own skills. But I did. You can, actually. That is part of fate. I read through it of, like, the skills are a suggestion. You can make your own that fits your character. Um, because lore is one of them, but I wanted something very specific to her. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just call the crafts skill science? Because there there are rules in place for crafts, and it sounds like you're describing kind of the same. Okay, we can call thing. it that, but I'm still going to call it science with an okay. exclamation point. Um, because I want to be able to say, I want to use science. Um, and so her uh, other skills in the good category are will and investigate. Um, in fair is intimidate, lore, and resources. And in average, I put notice and athletics because I think that along with uh, having a disciplined mind, she also takes good care of herself. She's in the biomedical field. She has, you know, knowledge of the human body and she takes good care of herself. She's not like, I don't think she's at the level of Remy or anything, but, you know, she can run if she needs to, that kind of thing. You've also um, some to kind of address to kind of address that, and also Griffin's uh, suggestion about intelligence. Remember, these are the cream of the crop. Yeah, through the selection process that the fellowship has done, you know, so th- they're going to be good physical and mental, you know, specimens. And and to that point, my vision of her as far as the superpowers went was I think she was selected, of course, because of her intellect and knowledge and, you know, rapid analytical mind. But I think that when she goes through the process, what ends up triggering is because of her exposure to this biopolymer um, and like she has, you know, tested it on herself and that kind of thing, just tiny patches, that kind of thing. But I think that that triggers and what ends up happening is she ends up with the skill to shape her body, um, both as weapon and as defense, um, so that she can. Is there shape- a power in the book for that? Um, I'm I'm tweaking the one. Shape shifting is in yes, shape shifting, but rather than having it be animal based, it's uh, inanimate based. Is basically my slight change to it. Cool. Um, so but it's almost yeah. like green, like a Green Lantern. Or like a Mr. Fantastic. It's yeah, like so it's- basically, if Mr. Fantastic had to shape specific... Uh, so, like, turn his hand into a hammer or that kind of thing. But right. it takes a will roll to do it. Okay. Um, and the drawback is the power is physically exhausting. So if she relies on it too much, it she'll faint. She'll pass out. It is It is physical exertion to control the power. It is not an instantaneous thing. So she uses it as an attack, but her first kind of uh, line of attack and defense is um, a skill I renamed uh, Knowledge is Power. It's actually called in the thing something like Shield of Knowledge or something, but I called it Knowledge is Power, that basically she can use science um, as the attack and defense skill, but she ha- I have to be able to justify that science applies um, okay. to the situation. But basically, she is much more analytical um, kind of fighter and approaches the situation very uh disassociated from it 
to like figure out the best way to proceed in it. So her skills much more kind of pertain to breaking down what needs to happen and addressing the the concern, you know, the the issues rather than fighting. So she in R and D, I'm assuming is her. Yes, yeah, okay. she was in R and D. And what's okay. a, does she have a superhero name? Do you have that figured out? Her yet, superhero or? name is Nadia Jones. She doesn't go in for that. Oh, yet. so you got like a. Tony Stark like revealed identity thing going very on? much so she doesn't do this for the flight of fancy she had so basically this is where it comes down to I think that she um sees uh Remy as uh as a failure <laughs> I think that she uh sees him as the representation of failure where she has always succeeded I so I think it feels weird to have such a combative like thing starting out. Well, you know let me, I mean? okay, let me do it because I, st- I still want this to be like I still want this to be a positive story about people who like. I think that was a, a defining characteristic of balance, which was like this is a group of people who care about each other and want to take care of each other. And I think having an aspect that's like you're an, you're a you're a failure is maybe. Well, let me try a different well, one. I, I think wait wait that- wait hold on wait a minute wait a minute though. But this is just a team just coming together. That's true. So I, can aspects, I can aspects any, change, I guess? They're they not going to... Well, I mean, you, you don't have to invoke it, I, I don't guess. Um, yeah, I, I would say that basically what it comes down to, to justify my choice, Griffin, is I think that Nadia represents someone who her whole life has been about honing her mind and being the best and being the best she can be so she can do the best you know, and create the best, and everything about her is about the best, the best, the best. And I think that on some level, she sees Remy being elevated in the same group that she is as an insult. Hmm. Um, not necessarily a personal insult from Remy. I don't think she holds it necessarily against him so much as she looks at it as an insult of the choice being made that they are on the same level. Um, yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying, but it's like Remy was also an Olympic level athlete who also worked to like do that but same he didn't, exact stuff. But he didn't go. He, he chose humanity over success, which Nadia I, I would like never do. I like the dynamic. I think it's interesting. Dynamic. I just I I think it's a good angle. I just think Remy is a failure is maybe too harsh of a way of like phrasing the actual. How about how about this? Um, like Remy, I don't himself. Remy encouraging <laughs> others to succeed. She sees as hypocritical. That could be good. Or, like, I, I think Justin's yeah. suggestion is not a bad one. About what Remy, was it? Remy, Remy failed himself or something like that. Then then it's less, oh, how about this? Like, how about a this? piece of shit and more like... Remy needs to be pushed. That's great. That's oh, excellent. that's good. That's like, a, yeah, and we'll that's go gonna with be, that. That's going to be... Can I suggest another one? And I this may be off off limits, but, like, I think Remy has specific reasons for having a hidden identity, which is, like, the same reasons that all superheroes do, which is, like, it limits your it, it limits collateral damage to people that you care about and it sounds like nadia doesn't have like a ton of people in in her life that fill that category but i also uh, think zero. like I, I think exposed identity is a really cool aspect that could be used for all kinds of things yeah i think i think let's keep exposed identity as just a general one because i also like that so we'll go with remy needs to be pushed and exposed identity well yeah. now would remy needs to be pushed that's her opinion or is that a fact because think, if it's a fact, it would be Remy's. No, no, no. I don't think. I think that's. I think that's her thing. I think Remy's okay. Great. Yeah, because um, okay. I think that awesome. being part of this team, it is important to her that this team is a success, okay. and she knows that in Remy's past, he has allowed himself to fail because he has allowed himself to think too much, uh, to like feel too much instead of thinking logically. So I think that now that she is a part of this team, she sees it as an extension of herself, and so 
if the if any member of the team fails, it is a failure reflected upon her. So I'm going to go with Remy needs to be pushed and exposed identity. Okay, that's great. And and she will be an R and D. Yes, Nadia Jones. N a d i y a j o n e s. Okay. Um, real quick before we get to Justin's character, let's uh let's go to the money zone. We didn't never have had a name for it. The zone um, zone. The the the. the uh, it's uh, somewhere the, in there. The loot um, zone. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer. Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis, how did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you, I'll wait, that's right, none of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's, uh, just as an aside, you can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as they get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Chicago, we're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2, and we're doing live shows, all a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out, and Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. 
April 25th is Taz. April 24th is my brother, my brother, and me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2 schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information's there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. I got a message here. I want to tell you all about the aspect of separation. It's a sci-fi fantasy adventure novel set in a world of immortal beings, lucid dreamings, mysterious towers that control physics, invisible demons, and a yellow drug made from river water flowing from an inexplicable hole in the middle of the countryside. The novel was written specifically for people who have short attention spans, love it, or don't normally like reading for fun. And uh, you can pick up this book, The Aspect of Separation, at Amazon, an ebook, or... In paperback, you can visit theaspectofseparation.com to listen to the first few chapters as an audio drama before you buy. And separation is spelled S-E-P-A-R-A-T-I-O-N. A lot of people struggle with that one, including myself. Separation is a tricky word. It'll get you. It'll sneak up on you. Travis, have you done yes, an ad? I haven't. Who Do is this, this one. message for, you might ask? Well, it's for Marlton. Who's it from? You might also ask. Well, it's from Mid, Ebe, Gwerf, Jick, and Christine. Thanks for all the work you put into being our DM. Sorry we get distracted and veer off topic so often. We're the worst, but you're the best. Your expert storytelling gives us the chance to leave notes to cover up murders like, had to go, forgot to pick up my kids from soccer practice, it's their birthday. Thanks for everything. What is your, oh, that, that is not the rest. And what is your preferred time frame for this message to air <laughs> next available? Got it. Heartfelt words. You all are maybe not as familiar with this because I always do the ads by myself, but I love hearing everybody's D&D names. It is so good. Because I, yeah, I love that it's mid Eve, Grove, Jick, and Christine. Yeah. Christine's like, you know what, you nerds? Sorry, I'm getting <laughs> a real name. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? I'm Oliver Wang. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. We have a brand new show on the Maximum Fun Network that we'd love to share with you. It's called Heat Rocks. Morgan, we should probably explain what a heat rock is. It is a banger, a fire track, true fire. Right, dope album. Each episode, we will bring on a special guest to join us to talk about one of their heat rocks. It might be a musician. A writer. Maybe a scholar. I mean, I would have been happy to just talk to you about your heat rocks, but this is a different show. Yeah, so. I think people might enjoy hearing maybe the guests instead. To do that, you'll have to go to MaximumFun.org. So if you want to talk about hot music, you should check us out. Heat rocks. Lastly, I wanted to talk about my character... Uh, thank goodness we had the ads in there to give me time to make one up. Um, what a relief that was. Uh, just kidding. Just a little fun joke. Just a little humor between friends. Uh, so I'm playing as, when we begin, I'll be playing as a character called Irene Baker. And she is in the human resources department of the organization. She got her MBA in human resources, and she is basically the best. Paycheck didn't come in. You need to get some health insurance. You got a, a problem with a coworker you need solved. You need a softball team organized. She is the person to talk to. Um, 
she likes dad rock, like Elvis Costello and Wilco. That's her in her private life. That is that she has some uh, eclectic tastes like that. But in the office, she is really sort of the glue that uh, holds everybody together. She makes sure everybody is getting along and make sure that uh, it, it is a, a great environment for everyone and make sure that the the trains run on time. Um, she's, Justin, can, uh, I ask, can I ask a question? Yeah, please. Is, is she cool? Or is she a narc? Yeah. Do people, <laughs> do people like her? Are they like, are, uh, she's fine to hang out with, but like, you know, she's... Very would, HR all the time. I would say she probably doesn't uh, have a ton of great friends at the office, but she's someone that everybody likes. But like less of the close connection because she's very focused on making sure that everybody is getting along and, and everything's going swimmingly. She's a little bit reserved, uh, uh, a little bit mousy, I would say, but she is not. Uh, uh, she's not unlikable. She's a likable person. Except, um, uh, when I was going to create a character for this, I, I really struggled, um, because I, I don't know, sometimes I'm not a very creative person and it takes a while for something to come to me. I'm sorry. That's just the truth. And, uh, the idea that I eventually like hit on was kind of unnerving for me because it's kind of out of my lane a little bit and I was nervous about doing it. Um, but the longer I tried to put it off and come up with something different, uh, I couldn't. And this idea kept sort of stirring around in my brain. So for a, a, a while now, I've been sort of interested in, um, Inuit mythology. Um, it's something that we don't see represented a lot. I think in popular culture, we're very much inundated with the mythology of the Greeks and the Romans and the Norse mythology and, and what have you. But um, we don't get a lot of, of – there are some mythologies that I think are, are unrepresented, and I think Inuit mythology specifically is, is really interesting. Now, I am not attempting to you know, directly sort of tap into that or make a 100% uh, perfect simulation of uh, Inuit mythology because that would, I think, not be – It would be uh, pretty appropriate and bad. It would not be great, but I'm definitely inspired by that. I think it's a really interesting uh, – the, the more I thought about it, um, the more I thought that it was something that I really wanted to to try. Irene is someone who I think uh, that that is definitely her culture, but I don't think it's something she's particularly connected to, um, but it, it is definitely her, her sort of background. Um, and so it is – something that I have tried my best to sort of learn about and familiarize myself with and talk to people about. Uh, and that is what I am, am, am trying to attempt with Irene Baker. So Irene Baker, the best way to, dis the, the thing about her transformation, it is very much a transformation. Um, when she gets her powers, she becomes the thunder goddess named Kardala. And Kardala is somewhat inspired by Kadlu, who is a thunder goddess in Inuit mythology? Um, so Kardala has uh, is basically a a juggernaut. She is incredibly strong, incredibly tough. Uh, has control of the the weather. Her main power suite is basic weather control. Um, so she can create weather. She can use weather to attack. 
um, people and uh, sort of con- has the ability to control weather and uses that uh, 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 against her enemies. Her secondary power, which is a synthesis in the in the nomenclature of Intercity, is uh, super toughness. So she's she's uh, really hard to bring down, um, and she is very strong and, and and sort of operating at peak physical capability. Um, but she is also very different from Irene in so much as they are practically uh, the inverse of each other. Um, I'm very much thinking of sort of an Inuit mythology version of Thor. Uh, and, and, and I thought the more I thought about that idea, the more it sort of like resonated with me and, and, and seemed like something I'd really like to, to try to do a good job with. So, um, that, that is Cardala in a nutshell. Now her main trait, uh, the, the high concept is she is a thunder goddess among mortals and she does not value or even approach humans at, uh, in the same way that Irene does. In fact, quite the opposite. I think that for Cardala, she sees the other people with super abilities as somewhat on her level. And I think she sees people without them as humans that need to be perhaps shepherded, uh, perhaps protected somewhat, but does not consider them her equals uh, in any way, shape, or form. And I think that that really colors who she is as a, a character. Um, and that is her trouble aspect again in the, in the, uh, venture city fate core nomenclature. Um, she struggles with, uh, having a mortal's perspective on things. Is and, this something uh, I, I want to make this clear. Is this something she believes or is it the truth? Is she actually inhabited she Cardala, by Cardala? When she is Cardala, that is her. Okay. She, okay. But when she, but, there is one other aspect that I have <laughs> oh so cleverly in my patented Justin McElroy style called On Comes Irene. And that <laughs> that trait Oh I see. That, yeah. At inopportune times, or maybe opportune times, depending, Cardala can revert to Irene. I have a separate character sheet for Irene Baker, who shares the physical uh, things like consequences and what have you would be shared across the two. So I can't use it to game whatever, but her uh, skills are very much the inverse of Cardala's. That is fucking great. This is such a a good character in such a good game. She's very good at... Um, when she's Irene, she has high ratings in empathy, in rapport, in um, a rapport, which can be a defensive skill in fate, uh, and and, and uh, uh, things like that. And and that is Irene has those skills, but in physical confrontations, Irene is s- severely lacking. So that is sort of the what a, a big problem with Cardala and does she have absolute control over when yeah, the transformation? I would yeah. say that if she had absolute control, it would be a little too OP because I don't want it to be a situation uh, or over. I, I need Sorry. athletic skills, so now I'm the Thunder God. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. right. I, or I need to be empathetic right now, so now I'm this. It's more about I think one places where it would be a good story opportunity for one or the other to manifest. 
um, but also a way of, uh, I, I think, balancing that very sort of distant god character. Um, I'm actually thinking of a specific manifestation of Thor that was in, of all things, uh, a made-for-TV movie that I believe was called The Death of the Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. And it was this very cool, it was a very funny take on Thor where it was all about him sort of adjusting to human life. And you see that trait, I think, somewhat in the more recent adaptations of Thor, but very much a a goddess among mortals. And um, that is the way she is is approaching the world. So she can, I, I, I would say that like maybe if she concentrated very hard, there is perhaps a chance that she could become Irene Baker. But I would say that the bias I would have is that I don't believe Cardalo would nef- necessarily see any sure. benefit to doing that. So it'd be very hard to justify. It, it, it also puts a huge arrow in dad's quiver of a compel. He can drop it any time to make you be whoever is going to be the most like narratively interesting and challenging for for you at any point. That is like the strength of the system and stuff like this like m- m- proves the the worth of of this system. Yeah, and I think that I Cardala for me I think that Irene is a character that is not perhaps super connected to this mythology uh, personally and I think that that makes it a really interesting counterpoint for her to actually manifest some portion of a version of that of that mythology so that is that is what i am going for i also i also want to say and i know that this is not something you would do but something we should probably make clear that this is not going to be a like manifestation of like bipolar disorder for instance which is a a real thing that that folks suffer from this is i i'm i i do not believe that this is like your you know, what if that was a superpower sort of thing? Like that is, that's not something that we would ever do. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to make it clear that it is not, it it is not a delusional state. I mean, this is, that is what she is in that moment. Um, That is, that is who she uh, uh, becomes and whether or not that's, you know, metaphorical or literal, uh, I don't know. We probably don't have enough episodes to cover it, yeah. so I probably won't <laughs> answer right away. I, I, I say that not to like stigmatize bipolar disorder, but just to say that like it, it would not be appropriate for any of us to say like, well, what if it was a, you know, wouldn't it be a cool superpower? Like that's not that's yeah, that and I, just and as I realize, And again, I know that just like a lot, like I did with Taco, this is not a character that is necessarily drawn on my own experience, and so I'm I'm obviously like really hesitant about doing it but also as we've talked about so many times on on this show and 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 what have you like we are four straight cis white dudes and i just don't feel like a show a team made of 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 straight cis white dudes uh entirely is is very interesting or sustainable or valuable or yeah. useful so i uh, i'll say because as always I, like we're doing our best and we're we're you know we're trying our best um, you you've talked to some people who like deal with Inuit representation in media, which I think is very. I'm very uh, proud of you for having put in all that that effort. Yeah, I mean, it's really a cool. hell of an email, y'all. It's a it's a long way to walk around before you get to the part. <laughs> it's it's a it's a long road before you get to the part where you understand why I'm emailing. Let me ask you this, um, I, and you may have touched on this, and I just I just missed it. 
Is there a physical manifestation of the change between Irene? Oh, yeah. She's huge. Okay. She's huge. Yeah. Well, there's also another aspect that's going to be built into this that deals with the... Cardala, sorry. I should, I should, I should be more clear. A height, a height difference. There's right. a physical okay. change. Irene is is smaller, and I, I, I think now that you say that, I hadn't really thought about. It. I think maybe a little more stout. Yeah. And uh, uh, Cardala is is uh, just big. She's tall and strong. Okay. And I was about to say down to get the friction on. I don't actually know if that's accurate or not. <laughs> but uh, there you go. I want well, also uh, the technology will lend itself in an aspect of this as well that I will reveal when you get your powers. Also, I also need to point out it was the return of the Incredible Hulk with Thor played by Eric Kramer, who you all know from the Thundermans. Motherfucker, don't try to act like you didn't just Google that. I did just Google it. Okay. Well, at least um, I want to add, I want to add an aspect because we have to have them for each other. I like the idea of Irene's sort of human focused, approach to her day-to-day thing and that seems very sympathetic with how like how remy thinks about people and why he joined this organization and so like i like the aspect for me of like uh we can trust irene's instincts as just like okay. yeah I, I, and and that way like if irene wants to make a decision like uh i i think remy would be like well you know she has everybody's interest in mind and she's approaching that scenario from a very human oriented place and so like i am i am i'm down with it does that make and sense? That's a nice balance. That's a nice balance also to to Trav's character. Yeah, so I of, think Irene would need one for Nadia, right? Just so we have one for each other. I think probably more useful would be Cardala because I see Cardala's like probably be more prominent um rather than Irene. I think Irene would have different um sort of a different take on these characters, but um I think that Irene believes that Nadia is a demon. And what I mean by that is like literally believes that she is, uh, she's unnerved by uh, Nadia's abilities and she finds them very upsetting. Irene does or Cardala does? Cardala does. Okay. Yes. Because Cardala also has lore as one of her abilities. I think Cardala is, uh, has an, like uh, has an awareness of other parts of that mythology and uh-huh. I think that she would be un, and she is convinced that Nadia is a demon, not necessarily a like one she, a literal a- demon that she needs to be uh, wary of. Oh, I like what that. I love about that is I, I, I think I was going to say suggest like kind of a uh, similar thing, but for Irene, where I imagine Nadia has been complained to HR a lot about. Like, I think that people have a lot of issues with Nadia. She's not very good at interacting with humans in any kind of nice way. And so I imagine that there's been a lot of complaints about her made. So this idea of you could have one aspect on Irene, which is I, I want to help Nadia open up. And then when you transform, you think she's an actual literal demon from hell. Right. Exactly. Or that's awesome. And I, that's why that's sort of my logic that, that, that sort of colored that um, that perception, I think. Parts of the, the where their personalities, I think, sort of overlap. God, that's so cool, dude. This is very I, good. I love that. Yeah, these that, are, this, that yeah. presents so many interesting moments. Yep, I like these. I like these characters. I done. do too. So these are the characters we're going to be playing in the game. We're going to be playing, um, and 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 the, and you are going to be. You said HR, so humanity. Yeah, yeah. HR. humanity division. Okay, and. 
like I said, we're just going to be playing a few episodes with these and sort of exploring the space. And I think we're going to do some, what, what gives me hope about this, like I was really nervous about the idea of moving away from balance. And I, to be frank, like since we wrapped up balance, um, my head has been in a really weird place. Um, partially because like I'm not creating as like in the way that I used to when we were doing the show. And there's always nerves like, oh, we're moving away from this new thing. But like Adventure Zone Nights, I thought was really fun. Um, and I thought we, we did some interesting stuff there. And the opportunity to do that a, a lot of times, I think is going to end up being really, really great. Um, dad, do you have anything else you want to say before to like set up this first episode? Well, uh- I think just a couple of things to keep in mind. We're going to start you you will get your powers in that first episode. And I think it's going to be kind of kind of a mystery as to how your powers are going to manifest. I mean, not to us as the players. Um because we already kind of have an idea, but I think in fiction except for I think Nadia I think has an idea. I think that just is too she's working in R&D, R&D so I think she right. has some idea. So I th- I think that that maybe she has some idea that this you know this might happen to some respect, but that's you know I'll let you guys figure out the reaction to that. But we will start non-powered. There's a big cast of NPCs, not nearly as big as the whole you know 69 episodes of of, of balance, but uh, you you're not going to be thrust into a situation where you are going to have to remember a whole bunch of names and everything else. Right off the bat. Um, and then you'll get your first mission and, and things will kind of, you know, take from there. Um, and I also want to tell folks that there are similarities, I guess, with, with balance and the fact that, you know, there's an organization and there's going out on missions. But if you really start, stop and think about what we're doing, that's kind of a basic, at least for a start a, a startup story to kind of operate from. So... When I steal, I steal from Griffin. So. Great. I steal from the best. That's what they say. I'm really excited. I'm really pumped up about it. I think I, I think you guys are going to enjoy the story, but I'm already digging the, the characters. So. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to say this a lot, and this is sort of the sentiment we all have. Please um, be patient with us and, and bear with us. and get. I, I hope that you can get as excited about this process as we are going to get um, because I anticipate that we will get folks telling us, like, I liked Balance better. And balance was an incredibly great and special thing that is always going to mean a lot to us, but it had to end when it ended. And I, I want the next thing, the next full season that we make to be, uh, not just as good and as special as balance was, but even better. And I think that this is, I think this, I think this is going to get us there, like doing stuff like this and seeing the, like figuring out the best stuff in all the games and figuring out what suits our, play style and the way that we put a, a show and a story together the best like figuring that stuff out is what's going to to make for the best second season so um keep in mind it's going to be a short thing a temporary thing and we're going to be trying some stuff out and we we hope that you enjoy the result of that uh i think that's it though yes yes uh, Thank you all for listening. Remember, it's the hashtag the Zonecast. Tell a friend to listen to it. Again, it's going to be while we transition here. Like it, it is going to be very important that you help spread the word. If you think like, oh, I have a friend who's into comic book shit, go listen to this thing. Like that would that would mean a lot, and it would be super helpful to us because it is you know it's harder to keep keep retention and everything whenever you're doing something like this. So anything you can do really and, means a lot. And, it, and if you've had, and this is a great time perhaps the best to get people on board. But um, thank you more than anything, even if you don't share with anybody, thank you to you 
uh, dear listener for hanging in with us. Um, we, we would, this show literally, I think, uh, would not exist, uh, had you not responded to it the way you had. And, uh, it means a lot to us that you're still here listening. So thank you. Uh, you're great. And thank you to Maximum you're Fun great. for having us. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great podcasts there. Um, you can listen to other stuff we do and see our videos and stuff at McElroyShows.com. And go to the Comic-Con panel if you're going to be at New York Comic-Con. Is that it? Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, the next episode's going to be up in two weeks on October 19th. And that's going to be the first episode of our new arc, Taz Commitment. So we will talk to you then. Bye. 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 MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Every week on Inside Pop, we take turns recommending something great from the world of pop culture to each other. And in the month of October, we're going big, very big, with the Big Sell 30. Every day for 30 days, we're going to suggest some type of pop culture to check out. Things that may not be on your radar, but will be well worth trying. From TV to music to movies and more, The Big Cell 30 is as irresistible as a Jedi mind trick. As convincing as an Annalise Keating closing argument. And as seductive as Miguel singing a ballad shirtless and slightly sweaty. Follow us on Twitter at Pop Insiders for daily big sells and listen to Inside Pop every week for big sells from some special guests. The Big Cell 30 starts October 1st and runs every day of the month on Inside Pop.